Hi, and welcome to episode 133 of No Crying in Baseball, the Isolation Pale Ale episode. My name's Patty, and I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Cheers. I'm going to raise my Isolation Pale Ale or Pandemic Pale Ale. Well, it's an IPA, so I had to go with the I word. Oh, I you get see it. what I That's did there? Not the alliteration. I get it. Yep. Can I just say what a good day it was here at my house? We got two deliveries that um, friends brought over. One was Mr. Potty Mouth bringing a growler of what I'm now calling the Isolation Pale Ale Homebrew, which is freaking fantastic, and I love it. And then while we were eating dinner, one of my kids' friends dropped off some cake on our front porch because apparently she was baking a lot and had extra. And so as soon as we're done recording, I get to have cake. It's a good day. Beer and cake is a very good day. You know what? It is a really good day for cake because I want to give a special happy birthday shout out to our adopted player, Eris Filpa, who's in the Dominican Republic. He is celebrating his 22nd birthday, and I've had a blast uh, texting and talking back and forth with Eris. I wish him well for his birthday and for his futures, hopefully in the Rangers. Oh, that's fantastic. Happy birthday. We had big fun this week. What did we do? We made some friends, some podcasting friends, and we had a smackdown. We had a smackdown against uh, Turnipair Chris from the Turnipair Baseball Podcast. We went head to head, neck and neck, eye to eye, in toe some to toe. smack, toe to toe. We <laughs> we got everything in some smackdowns on Twitter, and then we faced off in the first annual well, what Bailey bump Bailey bump, bump Bailey. Bailey. Wax Pack Heroes Hero Tournament of awesome. of awesome, sponsored by our friends at Two Strike Noise. We very much appreciate the folks at Two Strike Noise to uh, of inviting us to participate in this tournament. It can be found for you on the YouTube channel. We will put it in our show notes. Please go and listen and find out how we did against Chernapair Chris. It was super, super fun. Um, there are other sports happening and some of them involve beer. Yeah. The last thing about the beer, cheers to the Taiwan beer. They are the champions. The last time we recorded, they were almost champions and indeed they are in a total hammering final game that they won by a spread of over 20 points, I believe. So cheers to the beer. Cheers to the beer. And if you're new to the podcast, the beer are a basketball team. Different sports. We're cross-training. We're cross-training with beer because we always bring the beer with us when we talk sports. On today's show, we love having breakfast baseball with the CPBL. We also love the Orioles' Trey Mancini, and so do his teammates. We are so good at this dream bracket thing. Umpires have a say and a paycheck. We'll give you some of the latest rumors on the return of Major League Baseball. And Korean baseball is here. It's opening day, the day this episode drops. We welcome a special guest, Jiho Yu, the KBO reporter for the Yonhap News Agency. KBO is Korean Baseball Organization. I am super excited to start watching the KBO this week. There's 10 teams. So far, we've been watching the four teams of the CPBL, and I'm going to keep watching that as well because I have totally fallen in love with the breakfast baseball thing. I love waking up in the morning. Yeah. I mean, we wake up early, but, you know, we're in quarantine. Like, what are you going to do? It doesn't really matter when you go to sleep or wake up anymore, does it? You you have work to do in the middle. I have a day job that has me start at 830, but the great thing about Twitter is you can have a little box in the corner of your screen while you're doing Mm -hmm. other things, just in case. Yeah, and I'm very fortunate because I teach, but all my classes are in the afternoon. The mornings are my prep time. So I just prep with a little bit of baseball. Uh, One of the absolute highlights for me has been figuring out the mascot situation because you would think it would be pretty cut and dry. Like the lions, you got a lion. The monkeys, you got a monkey. But the lions actually have a lion and a fish head. And it really is just the head. The fish head is creepy and endearing at the same time, if you can imagine. Depending on which side you're looking at it from. The front (laughs) is endearing. The back is absolutely creepy. The fish head has a name, Saba Boy, which I believe is after milkfish. It's a specific kind of fish that that area, Tainan, I believe, of Taiwan is known for. Why you would have a mascot after something you eat, I don't know. But- they're kind of cute together. And once in a while, they're they're joined by Megabee. 
And Mega B belongs to one of their sponsors, but it still goes with the Lions team. So with, I'm a big fan of the monkeys, and I noticed that they had two monkey mascots, and one of them I've been calling Game Face Monkey, and we have learned that his name is actually Victor. And the other one I've been calling the Don't Scare the Children Family Friendly Monkey, which is too long, but then we learned that his actual name is Monkey. So I think it might have been named by a toddler who was not afraid of this particular version of the monkey, but I love them, and they can both dance. With lion being lion and monkey being monkey, I thought we had a pattern going here. And lion actually has his name embroidered on his face mask. If you look closely, it says lion. So you know whose mask that is. So I kind of figured out that I, I figured that the elephant, which is the brother's mascot, would be elephant. But it is not. I found out today that one elephant is Sean and the female elephant is specifically his older sister, Albie. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Okay. No follow-up question there then. <laughs> That's it. And the last team is the Fubon Guardians, and this cracks me up. So because of Fubon beginning with an F, one of the Guardians, the guy, is Frankie. And then there's a skirted Guardian whose name is Bonnie. And I'm guessing that's after the B in Fubon. But I think they should have gone with F-U. Of course you do. Because yeah. you always default to the F-U. And I love that about you. <laughs> Oh, Lordy. Oh, Lordy. So I see that you're already like dipping into boyfriend territory with your team. Absolutely. Lynn Anko is a two-way player. He pitches and he plays on the other side too. (laughs) um, But (laughs) we call that batting batting and fielding. He does everything. He's actually just batting and fielding this year. I'm not totally sure why he's not pitching. But I saw his first Grand Slam. So that seems like boyfriend material to me. Plus, he he has an interesting backstory. His mom's from Argentina. So I need to look into that a little bit more. But we like our boyfriends. And these are the baseball boyfriends that we have picked on this podcast year after year in the offseason. One guy per each MLB team because they're special beyond the field. There's got to be something kind of cool, interesting, quirky that we want to talk about. And so we're going to be looking at that for our Taiwanese players and Korean players mighty soon. But yeah, I've, I've got Lin and Co. One of the fun things about watching this league is the offense. There have been 400 runs scored already in the first 30 games played in this league. 400 runs. It's like 13 or something per game. And um, the Monkeys, uh, Chu Yushen, hit 10 home runs in 13 games, which is a new CPBL record. And the, the the thing that I like most about the commentators is they're really leaning into for this moment in time where the only baseball happening. So they could call him the home run king of the world because it's the only <laughs> home run king happening. And I'm not saying that Chu Yushan is my boyfriend yet because I don't know enough about him. You know, I care. I want to do a background check. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes but, sense. I guess I should be a little bit more careful about it. I did go into this thinking that I was going to pick Josh Renicky because that was the reason why I picked the Lions for my team because his uncle is the manager of the Red Sox and he has a baseball family and he had an interesting backstory. And I saw him debut this morning. Um, he had to be in quarantine because he he came back to the States, I believe, because he had a baby and then had to be in quarantine for a couple of weeks. So missed the opening came in today as a reliever, even though he's a starting pitcher, I was all excited and thought that this was going to be that boost that the lions needed. He did not have a great first game. Actually the first, the first inning that he was in, it was all the fielding errors around him. And I'm guessing that affected his play. He didn't, you know, follow through so well after that, but there were a bunch of errors around him. I'm going to hope that Renicky is going to help get the Lions up a little bit because right now the monkeys have been just crushing Waking. it. Yep. The monkeys are the only winning team right now. I mean, everybody's in a big clump. They really are. But the, the monkeys yeah. are the ones with the winning record. But you know who's going to come save baseball in Taiwan or at least the other teams who thinks he's going to? Our friend Mary, Manny Ramirez, right? Mary, Manny Ramirez, who I think is 48 years old. He is 48 years old. He still wants old. to play baseball. He still wants to play. So, he, And he had played in Taiwan before. He played for the previous incarnation of the Guardians, who were the Rhinos at that time. And he's trying to get somebody to take him. I think a lot of teams are interested in him as a coach or somebody on staff. 
but he wants to play. He was talking about being a player slash manager. I think he knows that he's got more draw as a manager, but I think if he can negotiate doing both, that would be ideal. Manny being Manny in so many places around the world. Yeah. And there's a fifth team, the Dragons, who are not playing in the, you know, the major league, whatever it is with the other four this year. They're they're just at a minor league level, but they're going to come up next year. So people are saying maybe they'll let him put, pull something like that off. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. One thing that we found out last week when we were talking to our friend Daniel was that merch wasn't being shipped to this country. But they are starting to wake up to it. I think they they saw our podcast title, that suitcase full of monkey merch. Monkey swag. Monkey swag. Yeah. Monkey swag. Um, yeah, not monkey swag right away. The first team to be selling merch internationally is the Brothers. So right now, you can get a Brothers t-shirt if you can figure out the pricing situation. <laughs> but we're going to have to wait for our connection, Daniel. And we still need to wait for, in my case, for the monkeys to actually put the monkeys on their shirts because right now it just says Rakuten or monkeys. I want the darn pictures of Victor or monkey or both, please. Meanwhile, back in a little bit of MLB news, I'm not sure if we mentioned Trey Mancini before. Did we mention the fact that he had been diagnosed with cancer recently? I think we did. Last time we talked about him, he had a medical condition that he hadn't announced what it was. I don't think we ever circled back with the actual diagnosis and current news. I believe that at this point, he has stage three colon cancer. And his article that we'll link in our show notes in the Players' Tribune is really beautiful and inspiring because he talks about how lucky he is because he's an MLB player. He did not have what would normally be symptoms that would cause somebody to go to the hospital or to get checked out. But when he started the season, he wasn't in the usual form and he couldn't figure out why he was so tired. So the team did tests and eventually this is what it came to. And he feels very fortunate that he had that kind of medical attention, you know, very much realizing that this could have been a hell of a lot worse if he were anybody else. The other way he says he is lucky is that he was able to have his initial surgery like moments before what they're calling, you know, elective surgery, even though that's not so elective, was shut down for, you know, for the pandemic. So he really just sort of managed to squeak in to have that surgery done right at the beginning of all of all of this change and how hospitals are functioning right now. So his teammates were really cool. His teammates had a little Zoom visit with him where they were all holding up signs. What did those signs say? They had the number 16 on them, which was his, the fight. They all said fight, but they had a 16 for the, for the IG in fight. And he was so touched by this. Yeah, the look on his face in that is really beautiful. He's getting a lot of support. Governor Hogan of Maryland tweeted his support. And Hogan recently survived cancer treatment. So he connected with him on that level as well. And, you know, as much as I've disagreed with Hogan lots during his term, he's been a a solid, reasonable, intelligent leader for Maryland during this crisis. And I very much appreciate him taking the time to reach out to Trey Mancini in that way. It's just classy. Yeah, and we're just going to add our no crying in baseball thoughts and 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 good wishes for Trey Mancini for a speedy recovery, man. We love you. Be good. Be well. My quick homework updates. We had two fake baseballs that are wrapping up. One was the dream back bracket. The results are going to be also on the day that this podcast drops. So this evening, you will know who the best MLB, MLB team of all time was, is, shall be however you want to look at it. What the dream bracket was, was all-time best players for each team, your dream team, going off against each other in a bracket format. And the American League came down to the Yankees against the Red Sox. And last week, even when we recorded, I said, I know the Yankees are going to win this whole thing. We're talking about history. The Yankees are going to win. But at that moment, when I turned on my computer and I saw that the Yankees had beat the Red Sox, I was a little sad. I realized that there was a little part of me that was hoping, well, maybe if, you know, all these things, stars aligned, that we really did have better players. But no, the Yankees are going to be going up against 
against the Reds, who I called. I, I yeah. can't believe I did. I said, I'm going to go out on a limb here and pick the Reds. And gosh darn it, look at us. We picked the two teams that are going at it for the finals out of all teams in the history of freaking baseball. We did that. If only we were this good at real baseball as we are in fake baseball. <laughs> More fake baseball was happening on the video level with the MLB The Show thing. And I actually watched the final game today. And it was entertaining. Do I wish I had watched more? I'm not totally sure. Last (laughs) week, we were talking about how um, Blake Snell was running away with it. And he ran away with it. And he totally creamed uh, Lucas Giolito in the final today. It looked like Giolito didn't have a clue what he was doing. But he got to the final. He's got a good quarantine look, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You mean like the beard and stuff like that? Yeah. No, the the play quality didn't look good. Oh, I don't care about that because it's fake baseball. Yeah. His beard, his beard definitely, definitely look good. And Blake Snell is super entertaining to watch playing a video game. I don't think I'd been watching his matches in the, you know, initial round because there were so many other guys that I wanted to check out. And I don't know, I just, I knew that Snell was going to be good at it. But he was really, really fun. The big upset was that Joey Gallo didn't make it out of the quarterfinals. Ian Happ beat him in the quarterfinals. And then he was beat by Lucas Giolito in the semis. So basically the bottom line is Blake Snell is now the MLB The Show King. And Tropicana Field should have a banner with his name on it. Because, you know, they probably need another banner. (laughs) things up in there. <laughs> if they ever get to have people in in their in their little dome there, sure, they can raise that banner. Why not? Um, back to real baseball or planning for real baseball. This is really planning for real baseball. The umpires union. The umpires have kind of been overlooked in a lot of these conversations. We've talked about the players and them getting paid or not, and what their deals are. We've talked about the stadium workers, the concession people, the the janitors, and all of that. But we haven't talked about the umpires. The umpires actually, um, they get paid year round. They don't get paid like just during the season. It gets broken up and, you know, and, and, and broken out. So they get it. They get a paycheck every you know two weeks or every month or whatever it is, um, not just during the season. It doesn't increase the amount they get. It just gets broken up into smaller parts. So they had been getting paid right up until recently. Um, they are in negotiations with MLB, their union and MLB. And they actually finally they agreed to. Um, prorated pay and they actually they gave up a right to scheduling restrictions in order to make a condensed season easier to have so if MLB starts later they want to squeeze in more games it would be a nightmare to try to schedule the umpire staff to be wherever they need to be if they have the restrictions that they have during the regular season. So the umpire said, we need financial security for our families. So we will give you that. Do schedule us however the heck you want. But we just need to get a certain level of pay. So they're getting prorated pay. They're also, they got themselves a voice in the conversations about bringing games back. They're part, they're at the table really for in the conversation for how are we going to start the season over again? Because there's no social distancing. If you're an umpire, you're standing right above the catcher and right behind the batter. There's a lot of things that you can't control. So they are taking a big risk and they're now at the table. Although that's interesting that you're saying umpires are being flexible and sort of open to other people's (laughs) opinions. Huh? Huh? Well, you know what they it's, it's, you know, it's sort of dividing up the, 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 putting the parts of their life in different boxes, right? They are actually at, at the most at risk demographic, more so than players and coaches, right? Because they're, they skew older. They're not in like the physical condition of player, of players and coaches. And so they're kind of fitting into that demographic where the virus, they're mo- more susceptible to, you know, having a, a, more, a much more serious experience with the virus should they catch it. They have been working all this time. They meet through Zoom and they do, you know, there's new rules, you know, are coming up. They have rules, tests. They have been like really preparing themselves for the seasons. So they're actually better prepared than usual. They said usually if there are rule changes, they get them like at the end of spring training. It's like, here they are. Good luck. So now they're ready. And it, interesting, we're going to talk in a minute about um, possibilities for how MLB might come back. And one of them is playing at spring training facilities. There is no instant replay available at spring training facilities. So it, it's going to put them in a different position. Their call is going to be golden, right? There's, there's like old school, right? There's no, you can argue with the umpire all you want, but no one can, no one can check, right? But they can kick dirt on the plate. 
They sure can. And can we just mm-hmm. say that we've, when we were watching our breakfast baseball, the CPBL, there have been some arguments <laughs> with managers and umpires and they go on for freaking ever. No one gets thrown out. No one's throwing a cap in the dirt. No one is like pointing fingers, like way too close to the umpire. And I just find that lacking. If you're going to argue, man, do it up. I haven't seen anybody get thrown out. Not, not a one, yeah. not a one. So, and I did see a very intentional hit, like a, a pitch that intentionally hit ooh. the batter. Nothing. Nothing. I think you get a very stern talking to, and then we move on and we learn from our mistakes. So you've probably heard that, you know, MLB is like try is coming up with every possibility in the book to start a season. And more and more people are saying, we're going to have baseball managers have gone on record saying, we know we're going to have baseball. You know, the commissioner's office has said, we know we're going to have baseball. They don't know what it's going to be like yet. Right now, the temporary arrangements for paying staff, the temporary arrangements all seem to end around May 31st. So the timetable looks like, you know, use May to figure out what the plan looks like. Use June for spring training and probably start at the beginning of July somewhere. And the somewhere is so, um, it could be anything right now. One of the more popular ideas is this three hub plan, Arizona, Texas, Florida, and divide, you know, there's 30 teams. So 10 teams would be assigned to each of these hubs. So you'd have like people on the East Coast, people in the middle, people on the West Coast, kind of divided up that way. There's a possibility that we could start with these hubs, these bio bubbles, right? And then as situations improve in different cities, maybe open that up more. Maybe um, teams would be able to go to their home parks again if the situation improves, whatever they decide the criteria is. If baseball can't start till much later, they may end up doing some kind of crazy tournament, like a a world baseball um, style tournament, just anything to get get the guys on the field playing baseball. So it's evolving. It keeps changing. I still don't know what's going to happen. Nobody does, but it's just every day there's something new. We have another special segment for you today on No Crying in Baseball. We are joined today by Ji Ho Yu, who is a KBO reporter for the Yonhap News Agency in Seoul, Korea. And for those of you who might not know yet, KBO is the Korean baseball organization whose opening day is today, the day that this podcast is dropping May 5th. So thanks so much for joining us, taking some time out during this busy time right before opening day. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for reaching out and thanks for having me on this podcast. Uh, We're very excited. Um, And we love to learn what we can about live baseball because, boy, do we miss live baseball near us. Can we start all of our guests out with the same question, which is tell us, please, about your personal connection with baseball? Sure. Well, I played baseball growing up. Um, I was on my uh, elementary school team play first base for three years. Was not much of a fielder, uh, which is why I play first base because they have no DH at that level, right? Uh, <laughs> classic, classic and, reason. And you know how baseball, people talk about how the game brings fathers and sons together. And for me, it was actually my mom who got me into baseball. She was the big sports fan in the family. We love those stories. <laughs> yeah, she took me out to my first, very first game in the KBO when I was about six years old, six and a half. And I have kind of, Pretty good memories about that uh, the particular night because it was a late night game. Uh, the game kind of dragged on. You know how kids, right? When they're younger, they wanted to get home early and they're tired. And then my, my mom, my mom wouldn't just leave the game because she wanted to stay for the whole game. You know, she wanted to watch the full nine innings. And I remember kind of falling asleep on her laps by about I don't know sixth, seventh inning, and it was pretty dark out there. And then uh, just remember staying for the whole game, not even seeing the seeing the end of the game at the time. But uh, yeah, she got me into game game of baseball uh, she was the one that taught me all the rules you know the whole thing three strikes and four balls and you know nine guys in the lineup and, whole, whole, and the whole deal so she got me into baseball and i you know started playing at a pretty young age and i got into my school team uh, and obviously i wasn't good enough to you know get further <laughs> so uh, you know the saying if you can't beat them you join them and i wasn't mm-hmm. even good enough to join them so i you know i <laughs> Ended up just writing about those guys who play baseball for a living. But everybody's got to contribute to make it a big picture, right? Everybody's necessary. Anybody in the front office and writers and people who keep track of the fields, we're all in it for for the same spirit. <laughs> that's I don't know. That's how I look at it. I'm also okay. thinking that I would love to meet your mom. Like she sounds like our kind of person. 
Oh, she's a huge sports fan. Uh, you know, my favorite just being childhood memories, just watching baseball with my mom during summer and then watching basketball with her during winter. Um, same with baseball, basketball. She taught me all the rules. You know, she was watching. We'd be watching something on TV and she would kind of explain to me what traveling was and that kind of thing, you know, zone defense and, and, and you know, kind of she would uh, complain about, you know, referees calls and uh, he, someone didn't get called for them and whatnot. So, yeah, so, again, she was a big sports fan in the family. And then uh, she got me into uh, uh, she got me into sports, and which is ironic because, you know, when I told her I wasn't going to be a sports writer and she kind of didn't like the idea. So really? <laughs> like, Why not? Yeah. What about that didn't you like? I like do something something else with your life, you know. Uh, <laughs> like, I mean, but uh, yeah, I mean, she, right now, you know, she's she's happy that I'm doing things that I love, and you know, that's what basically counts. I'm getting I, basically I'm getting paid to watch sports. Uh, that sounds like I'll a tell, good deal to me. Sign You're yeah, living I, the dream. I tell people, the, the worst part of my job is actually doing the writing. Uh, everything mm -hmm. else, you know, I get to uh, I get to go to even now with pandemic, I get to go to games that other people are not allowed to. You know what I mean? Right. While the stadiums are still closed, right? So you know, deep inside, I think we're all fans at some point, uh, fans of the game. Uh, maybe not necessarily teams, but we're fans of the game. So to be able to uh, have that access, is, I consider it a privilege. Is it hard to separate yourself, like your fandom, like the teams that you care about, from the ability mm -hmm. to write about them in a way that you, you know, dispassionately or you know, even-handedly, or do you just say, I, I, "They're my team. I'm going to write that way." Oh, for me, it's not that hard because I don't have—I have no rooting interest in the KBO or any okay. any Korean teams that I cover. You know, I, I guess we get to this momentarily, but I spent some time in Toronto, and basically the only teams that I cheer for personally are in Toronto: uh, baseball, Blue Jays, the Raptors, and the Maple Leafs in hockey. So, and I don't cover those teams on a daily basis. Um, was it going to change a little bit this year because the Jays actually signed up a Korean pitcher, a like Hanjin Ryu? From oh. formerly oh, of the right. Dodgers. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. from the so Dodgers. He, yeah, and he, I think he faced uh, the Nationals in the postseason last year, too. So mm -hmm. I think it was game two or in the DS. And anyway, so, you know, the Jays having a Korean pitcher, I might have to, I wasn't going to have to watch them on a more regular basis as a, uh, a writer instead of as a being as a fan. So uh, it was going to change a little bit of the dynamic. But other than that, just covering KBO and all the Korean sports, I have no problem just being detached and distancing myself from, from from the athletes and the teams. Could you tell us a little bit about baseball culture in Korea? Is it mm -hmm. pop popular, as popular as it is, say, in the U.S. or in Toronto? What's the comparison, would you say, in how many people follow it, how dedicated fans are, stuff like that? How many people oh, play yeah. in school like you did? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's the number one, it's, it's the number one sport in terms of uh, – you know, TV ratings and attendance, average attendance. Soccer made a big, uh, big jump last year to kind of close the gap a little bit last year with soccer going up and baseball kind of plateauing a little bit in terms of attendance. But for the past good, good chunk of the last uh, decade or so, uh, baseball has been number one uh, in Korea. And in terms of participation, uh, I don't have the exact numbers, but my, I don't know. There might be more kids playing soccer than baseball, uh, but just hmm. in terms of support uh, from the public, uh, baseball is number one, and then soccer, I think, closing the gap at number two. And then we've, we've got volleyball and basketball also. But, uh, yeah, baseball has uh, been around since 1982, professional baseball, that is. And before that, high school baseball was a big thing in Korea. And then a little bit of um, semi-pro industrial league baseball was big. And then professional league got founded uh, in 1982. And, uh, you know, it's it's been pretty except for a few years of really lean years of having literally about 500 fans in the stands for, for a little yeah. bit of a stretch in the mid to, uh, 2000s. It's been pretty good run so far for the KBO. I've, I've just, you know, started learning about the KBO, you know, about a week ago. So I have no mm -hmm. knowledge of it, but I do see that teams are named for sponsors, not for right. cities. So how does that affect the fan base? Are, are they still, do they still have regional fans or how do, how do people decide who they're rooting for? Oh, they do have, very strong regional basis. It's just Did the they, name. Okay. It's, it's just the names that are, I guess, named after companies that that own them or sponsor them. Uh, for example, uh, you know, SK Wyverns. They're based in the city of my hometown of a city of Incheon, it's a little bit west of Seoul, kind of about an hour drive 
west of Seoul. Pretty much every team has a very strong uh, regional base. And some teams, for some teams, their teams, their fans travel well. Uh, so you would see um, teams in certain cities, they play when they play in Seoul, uh, people that are from that city would actually come out to watch them play in Seoul uh, because it's a little more difficult for them to kind of make the trip maybe during the weekday. Uh, so this, you know, there's a couple of teams whose whose fans travel well, but other than that, uh, mostly uh, teams have uh, pretty strong regional bases. We know that it's going to be starting without fans actually in the right. stands, right? At all. Mm-hmm. Um, in a regular season, what is the scene like with fans? Yeah, so in a, in a typical game in a normal season, we would have cheerleading squads for each team. Um, and literally every player has a walk-up song. So even some random utility type of guy coming off the bench to pinch it in a blowout in the eighth inning, he would get some song uh, playing out on the PA system. And there's going to be uh, constant cheering, especially for teams that are actually batting. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's a road team or a home team. Uh, you know, even the road team will get have, will have their own cheerleading squad uh, on the stands under either third base side or the first base side. So whenever uh, you know, even even when the road team is bat- in batting in the, at the top of the inning, uh, the, the home team cheering side would stay kind of kind of quiet. You know, not playing any music, not trying to get in the way, kind of to be nice, I guess. Uh, but they would cheer for their pitchers. Uh, after strikeout, after you know whatever double play and whatnot, but it's their batting teams and their batters that are gonna get their World Cup songs played on the PA system, and there's just constant noise, and the players, the American players that come over here, uh, you know, they look at before they sign, maybe they look at some of the videos from the KBO and they're like, oh, this is so loud, this is so exciting, I can't wait to get into so they're into the it, they're into it, and then. You know, you know how athletes, they say they feed off the energy of the crowd. Uh-huh. I think that it does really happen. It's hard to prove it scientifically, I guess, but I guess it does <laughs> happen when you're, when you're standing on the mound, you have 25,000 people chanting your name. Um, you know, it's got to be exciting for those guys. And one thing about the KBO is uh, the fans, they don't, they actually stay almost for the whole game pretty much every time. Uh, even, even when your team is getting blown up by whatever runs, uh, the dedicated fans will stay on, chanting names of the players, singing their songs until the eighth and ninth inning, until the, until literally the final out of the games. Wow, I have two kind of follow up questions to that. One is, sure. how organized is the cheering? So, if you have cheerleaders, are the fans mm-hmm. really following? And is it you know what percentage of the fan base is actually following what the cheerleaders are telling them to do? Oh, it's very organized. Uh, everyone is following. Yeah, orders. that's amazing. It's, Following orders. Uh, so, oh, it's, it's almost creepy if you if you're not used to watching this. Uh, you know, that's what you, I was totally the, wondering. Yeah. Yeah, you get the entire section of fans. Let's say first base side and all the way down to um, uh, right field. Uh, you're looking at you're talking about you know tens of thousands of fans doing the exact same chants, uh, clapping at the exact same rhythm, and uh, you know I remember. You know, covering one particular postseason game because it, it gets louder in, during the playoffs, and the uh, I guess there was a couple of points in the game where the umpires had to ask them kind of quiet it down a little bit because <laughs> they couldn't they hear. couldn't hear themselves, <laughs> and and the, and the catcher was complaining or the, someone was complaining uh, it was too loud and it was kind of it got to a point where it, it became a little distracting. So, but you can it, that's how loud it can get at, at a KBO game, especially that the sounds like a blast. I, I can't imagine that like maintaining that level of energy for so long. Like, you know, in major mm-hmm. league parks, you get like the sweet Caroline song at Fenway, or yeah. you get like last year, baby shark at Nats park. And like, everyone's into it for, you know, two minutes and then it's just mayhem or not. I mean, it's like just random from then on. I can't imagine like, maintaining that order <laughs> the whole time. Yeah. You know, people, yeah, they, they don't, they don't ever sit down almost. Um, <laughs> You know, especially oh, when they're, so I guess when their team is batting, they will kind of stand up, cheer and chant. And then when their team is, uh, when, when, the, when, when the inning switches and they'll kind of sit down, you know, grab a beer or two, kind of recharge. And then when their team is uh, back up again at the plate and they will get up again and then cheer. So that's kind of the rhythm of the KBO games. My other follow-up question to this is, is yep. booing okay? Do people boo? Because Patty and I have serious opinions about booing and mm-hmm. when it's how it's mostly not okay. 
people boo, but not to the extent of uh, not to the extent of you know some cities in the majors. Uh, you know, it's not like the Phillies. You know, like we don't we don't, <laughs> we don't, we don't, we don't boo Santa Claus. We don't you know we don't, we don't boo Mike Schmidt, Hall of Famer, and that kind of thing. So. Uh, I'm We're booing. okay with some Phillies criticism yeah. on this show. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew it, you know. Mm-hmm. Being, a, being a Blue Jays fan, you know, 1993 World Series, right? So um, <laughs> as the booing is not, you, you won't see it as often uh, as you do in the majors, but uh, it, it does happen from time to time. Everyone's into the game while they're there. Does that carry mm-hmm. on off the field? Like, are ballplayers celebrities? Like, do people, oh, yeah. like, you know, seek them out? And, like, you know, I don't know. But, like approach them in a restaurant for an autograph or see them on the street or all that, or is it only in the ballpark? Yeah. You know, people buy jerseys with their favorite players' names on them. Um, you see a lot of merchandise, you know, jerseys and hoodies and, you know, hats and, and, and the whole deal. And yeah, if they do run into these players and they will be approached, uh, fans would get up to them seeking autographs, uh, maybe mostly selfies. I think these days, so they could mm-hmm. kind of brag about it on on their social media, you know. <laughs> um, so we would never for, do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for fans, I think the the a lot of the fans would kind of wait out uh, after games. Uh, there's you know there's a players' entrance, and people would kind of camp out there after games and wait for players to come out after the showers and after their meetings and uh, try to get autographs there and. Uh, Man, I don't know too many stories about people kind of walking up to players in as restaurants and stuff, but in terms of getting autographs and you know kind of clamoring for their attention, uh, the, a lot of the fans wait out uh, near the players' entrance after games or even before games when they come to work. It's fun to see some stuff being universal. And one thing that I like being universal that I've I've heard is universal in Korea, and Patty totally disagrees oh, with no. me on this, is the universal DH. Right? You guys have a DH yep. across the board. Yep. That's cool to see. I'm so sorry. My condolences. And <laughs> we're both we're both 100% behind the bat flips, which okay. we hear is a thing over there. So is there anything? Those are the only two things that I was able to figure out recently. What else sort of distinguishes Korean play from someplace else or from the MLB at least? Yeah. So bat flips, I don't know. It's almost like a curse, for I think, for the KBO. Uh, I think it did a... Um, my point being, you know, a few years back when KBO was not nearly as known as it is now, being one of the very few leagues that are going to be playing, uh, you know, that was kind of an easy, kind of memeable moments, right? Guys throwing their bats on a, on a puff fly or the balls that are going wide on the poles. Uh, it, it kind of made for fun highlights, uh, but that's not what KBO is entirely about obviously, because it's a, you know, 10-team pretty competitive baseball league, but I think it got, it was kind of a good entry point for casual fans of the of the game or people who were interested in Asian baseball. It was a nice entry point, but it kind of stuck as maybe, you know, KBO kind of equals bat flips and maybe little else. Um, yes, you know, guys do flip their bats a lot. Um, you know, the pitchers don't get annoyed as much as you know, in the majors, maybe some guys that have come over from the U.S. in the majors, uh, they were like, you know, this, those are their welcome to the KBO moments, you know, <laughs> this guy just popped out That's to the field, what the hell, you know, he, he just threw, yeah. <laughs> he just threw a bat toward the first base dugout. So, but you know, they, they, <laughs> wow, they get used to it impressive. after a while. Yeah, they get, they get after, they get used to it after a while. But uh, in terms <laughs> of the differences, you know, we, we talked about the cheering, we talked about bat flips. Um, we don't, we don't play the kind of, you know, I think when people think of Asian baseball, they might think of small ball, a lot of bunting, moving the runners over, manufacturing runs. Uh, we don't do that as much as maybe in Japan. Uh, mm. We do, this is a lot more of a, what you call three true outcome league, homers, mm-hmm. strikeouts, uh, walks, maybe not as many strikeouts, uh, but the guys kind of, you know, guys do actually put, put the ball in play a lot. So there's a lot more action uh, in a typical KBO game than, in the majors now, which is, you know, almost extremely three true outcome. You either get struck out, you either swing and miss, and you either hit one out and you draw a walk, right? So mm-hmm. there's a little more action in the KBO, uh, fewer strikeouts, uh, more action, and the more action leads to uh, maybe more miscues on on the defensive end because just because there are so many balls, so many balls being put in play, 
uh, you're bound to make some errors when you're when you're fielding so many balls. Uh, but uh, there's, you know, if you just, you know, I guess maybe forget about the bat flip for a moment and just watch baseball for what it is, and you'll see, uh, you know, this is not bad. The product is not that bad. We're looking forward to that. So. Potty Mouth likes for us to pick teams so that we okay. can, we can, you know, root against, root for something and also root against each other because that we find mm-hmm. very entertaining. So based on absolutely nothing, we each picked a team, you know, KBO mm-hmm. team based on, you know, names alone or, you know, close to just that. And so we want you to tell us something special about each of these teams if you would. So, now, I thought I was picking Wyverns. You said Wyverns. 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 This is good to know. See, I've only mm-hmm. like read that word in many fantasy novels. And that's why I've okay. said wyverns because in my head, that's what it was. Uh-huh. And then and the potty mouth picked the dinos. So what should we know? What's something about each of those teams that we should be aware of to, you know, either prove or um, make us sad that we pick them. <laughs> so wyverns, uh, they're based in, I guess you probably, you guys probably looked into this, they're based in the city of Incheon, which is just a little, little west of Seoul. Uh, they won the championship in 2018. I feel uh, good about that. Yeah, one of the most more recent champions. They have the record for most home runs in a single season. They, in fact, they have the two best hitting home run hitting seasons uh, in in the league history. I think twenty thirty four one year, and then twenty thirty three the next year. And is that before y'all right, dejuiced the ball? Yeah, I was gonna say this is right before they dejuiced the ball for twenty nineteen. So twenty seventeen, uh-huh. I think they hit two thirty four, and then twenty eighteen, two thirty three. Wow. And then last year they hit about about a hundred fewer home runs than that, but still ranked top three in the league in the department. So uh, they hit a lot of home runs, even though they don't necessarily play in the hitters' park. Um, and I don't know what else you do know. Uh, yeah, they're named after some mythical, I think, winged dragon that a lot of people can't even pronounce. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, with the uh, with the NC Dinos, uh, they're one of the newer teams. They came into the league in 20, oh, I want to say 2013. And then. Oh, wow. That reason. I know they haven't they, won at all. <laughs> no, because they've been recent, but they've been to that pretty much sense. every postseason since their founding, except for the first year. And then they went to the postseason the next four years in a row. And then they, they finished it last in 2018. Uh, they hired a new manager. Then they went back to, back into the playoffs last year, and they're they're regarded as one of the potential uh, title hopefuls for 2020. Hey, this could be fun. This could be a fun season for us. That sounds really good. I'm I'm good. I have a very quick uh, wyvern question for you. I was looking okay. at we we sort of had a day where we were looking into a lot of mascots just for any number of reasons, and it said the wyverns use the goddess Athena and an owl. As mascots, not an actual dragon. Any insight? Really? See, I'm not. Okay. Uh, I'm not. I don't wow. know. Too much, I don't know too much about mascots. I don't really. Uh, to be honest, I don't really pay attention to mascots when I'm out there. All right. Like. Uh, okay. Well, maybe we'll we'll say, figure it out. We'll let, we'll let you know. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I know dinos use a, a dinosaur for obvious reasons. That makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> I'm good with that. I'm good with that. See the, the breakdown here. Here is Patty has the fantasy novels and I have the Flintstones. Like that's our like, yeah, right. cultural <laughs> reference for the yeah. Teams with the Wyverns, I guess they couldn't they couldn't really find you know they couldn't find a proper costume. Maybe they might have they might have been an issue. You know, though big wings are unwieldy. I think if you want to dance, so that's, <laughs> right. that's got to be it. I'm sure right. you might you might hit some kids when you're when you're kind of fancy. <laughs> you don't want that. It's a bad look at a mascot. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. Speaking of the mascots, we've been fascinated watching um, the CPBL in Taiwan, watching their mascots and seeing the scene in the stands. You guys are also starting with closed stadiums, but what's going to be going on in the stadium when play starts? Do you have, are the cheer people going to be in action? Do you have mascots out there? Are there cardboard cutouts in the stands? Like how have they set it up to make it still a fun place to be playing baseball, even without that huge, loud noise going on the whole time yeah so i don't think we will have any cardboard cutouts <laughs> i haven't heard anything about that but some teams will have including the wyverns some teams will have their cheer- cheerleaders on the stage um, the teams are doing right by their employees because uh you know the game day personnel and employees they weren't making any uh any money this year they're, they're these people they get paid by the game and they didn't have any work uh this year and a lot of the the same people they work volleyball and basketball games too and their seasons got canceled prematurely before the postseason because of the 
pandemic. So they were out of work for a good chunk of the spring. And not all teams, but a, some, a few teams will have, we bring their cheerleaders to the home games, uh, obviously to help them financially, and then uh, kind of create that game-like atmosphere, uh, playing some music, uh, have the cheerleaders chant the players' names and trying to, you know, I guess, fire up the dugouts, the home dugouts at least. Now, you had mentioned that as a member of the media, you would have access. What are the, do you know what the rules are going to be for masks yeah. and like health you know, checks and all of those things? Yeah, we have to have masks on and uh, we will have our temperature checked at the entrance. And uh, we're going to have to fill out a health questionnaire, like questions like, have you been overseas in the last whatever days? Uh, do you have fever? Do you have any symptoms? And, then, and, then, and that kind of thing. And a lot of the stadiums will have thermal uh, a monitor installed, like at the airports. So you kind of walk through and then, you know, the heat, the heat map will show and then you still have to get your temperature checked as well. And uh, we have to spread out in the press box. Uh, so you can sit next, right next to each other. So usually we have assigned the seating for the media, but that's going to kind of get thrown out the window for the time being. Uh, so we're going to have to apply uh, with the PR teams uh, of the home team a day, uh, about 24 hours before the game and then kind of let them know that we're coming and then they would have whatever number of people assigned to uh, every other seat in the press box and and then they will open sort of the areas behind the home plate uh, that are usually for fans. They have tables and they could connect power, they could set up Wi-Fi so it could actually turn into a working space for media uh, who won't be able to fit into the press box. You know, a lot of the stadiums, they have limited space obviously, and uh, we're going to have to work outside, uh, which is not bad uh, this time of the year. Um, uh, we're going to have to work outside on on, on, the, on, the, 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 on on tables behind the home plate. So, yeah, so it's going to be in place for the time being. And for other rules, um, clubhouses are actually off, off limits in the KBL. They have been off limits for pretty much the whole time, but we do usually have access to dugouts before and after games. So that's where we do a lot of the interviews. Uh, it's kind of hanging around the dugouts, grab players as they go by uh, during batting practice or fielding drills. Uh, but that's kind of gone for them for now. Uh, we're not allowed in there before and after after games. So what happens is they will bring the managers from the home team and the visiting team a couple of hours before games uh, to either a press conference room or we kind of meet them down there in the dugout, maybe maintain some distance of six or seven feet, and then kind of have a you know, semi-press conference with the managers only, uh, no player access before games. And then after games, we get one player from the winning team for a brief interview, but that's a group interview. So, you know, we're pretty much talking to the same, same people uh, game in and game out, at least for the time being. And from my perspective, you know, it's not really fun, right? Uh, you get to talk yeah. to the same people, you get the same quotes and try to you know create maybe different stories from the same same uh same quotes from same same group of people so uh it's not as exciting from my perspective working the games but i know i think we all understand you know th these are different times and we all have to you know accept these changes and uh and just you know go with the flow is there a, a timetable already set up for if if health-wise the country meets or a city meets these goals, then we start opening up, you know, the stadium gradually? Or is that are they just going to play it all by ear? Uh, they're going to play by the ear. Well, thing is, over the weekend the government said they they're going to lose some they're going to loosen some uh, social distancing guidelines. Some some businesses that maybe were closed uh, will start opening a little bit. Uh, you know, kids might will probably start going to school gradually uh, later this month. But there wasn't anything specific about professional sports games and stadiums being open to public. So they're going to kind of play by the ear. Uh, I don't know we're going to be able to have fans this month. Uh, it's just my opinion. But maybe down the road and maybe in summer, late in the summer, we might be able to open up. But it's not going to be, it's not going to go from zero fans to sell a crowd they're going to do it gradually so maybe they're going to start selling maybe 20 percent of the seats and then 30 percent 40 percent and then mm -hmm. hopefully by the time the postseason comes along uh, we'll have you know full houses of fans i missed asking before about any players names that we should watch out for 
Do you have anybody that off the bat you're thinking that's a guy you've got to be, keep an eye on this season? Korean players or foreign players? Anybody? Korean players. Well, actually, or either either one. Well, you know, we have a former uh, Oriole outfielder, Hyunsoo Kim. Uh, he's he's the captain of the LG Twins in Seoul. Uh, he's he's a left fielder. Uh, he can play a little bit of first base. Uh, one of the best um, contact hitters in this league. Uh, one of the leaders in lifetime batting average. He's just a hitting machine. Uh, puts the ball in play. Lifetime close to 320, 330 hitter. Wow. Uh, had a, had a, about a year and a half stink with the uh, with the Orioles and then play a little bit of Philly, little little bit with the with the Phillies uh, and then he came back to Korea. Um, in fact, speaking of the Orioles, I think we we have six former Orioles in this league. Wow. That seems like a lot. That, that seems I think like a lot more from than one any, team. Any, yeah, that's more than any any single team, including uh, three teammates from the 2019 season: Aaron Brooks, mm-hmm. Mike Wright, and Dan Straley. They're all on the roster in 2019. They're all playing the KBO this year. <laughs> wow! Do, does the KBO are they recruiting like targeted like that? Like, oh, we're going to pay attention to this team or or that team? Or wow, the Orioles aren't very good. They're good for poaching the, the players right now. Or <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, I, I don't think it works that way. I, I think it was just was just coincidence that we have so many former Orioles uh, mm-hmm. in this league. Uh, Tyler Wilson, <laughs> former Oriole PG, is also pitching here. So, um, yeah, it just happened that we have this league. It does have a lot of Orioles, but uh, I don't know. I don't know if they're. I don't know if they were targeting any particular teams out there. Uh, but if you look at the guys that come over here, uh, their profile has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, we started along foreign players in 1998, and back then we had a lot of washed up 30-something guys that are kind of playing off the string uh, in the KBO. Uh, we have Carlos Barrega for one year, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, Rudy wow. Mattel, uh, Julio Franco. Uh, but you know, then again, Julio Franco played forever, so you know he's he's coaching in the KBO right now. Uh, but he, we had a, we had we had Julio Julio Franco for a couple of years, and then. It was older guys, and then in recent years, the profile has changed so that guys that are in, still in their mid twenties, late twenties, kind of in their prime years, uh, they kind of they, they they kind of target KBO to come back, reinvent themselves a little bit, and they may be eyeing a return to the majors. Uh, we've had a couple of examples of that. Eric Thames, uh, yeah, with the Nationals now. Yeah, Nationals now. He had a pretty good run with the Brewers. Uh, first yep. year back with in the majors, he had thirty plus homers. He was the MVP in 2015 in the KBO with the Dinos. Um, hey, uh, he was on the Dinos. <laughs> All right. <Yeah. laughs> I'll take so, that. You know, someone like Josh Limblum, he was the MVP, uh, right-hander last year with the Tucson Bears. He signed with the Brewers for this year, three-year deal, I think. So a lot of guys like that that come over here, they, they would come over here, try to maybe go back to their majors at some point, uh, maybe you know get more opportunity here and then play every day and leave an impression and then you know, return to the majors. I saw that Matt Williams, former Nats manager, is managing yep. in the KBO this He's year. Manager. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, 2014, right? Manager of the year in the, in the National League. And and now, and then, and then we went on. We left him in the dust for Dusty. I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Um, he got yeah, left so in he, the dust. Yeah, I know. He, I, I don't know. He he lost the clubhouse there, I think. Um, but I think that's you know, he's the, yeah. Yeah, he's the manager here with the Kia Tigers. Uh, they won the championship in 2017, but kind of fallen on hard times since then. Um, so they're trying to turn things around a little bit with a new guy at the top. So who do you think will get the championship this year? Your opinion? Well, I, I think I, I like the Tucson Bears a lot. Uh, they won the championship last year. They bring back pretty much the same group of guys, and they've replaced their two foreign pitchers in the rotation. And they look—they're looking pretty good. Chris Flaxen, former New York Met uh, property, and Raul Alcantara, uh, Alcantara, I think uh, he played for another team in the KBO, Kate Wiz, and he's got a little little bit of experience with the Korean hitters. And they've been really good uh, in spring training and preseason games so far. So I don't think losing two pitchers from last year is going to affect them at all. And they've got nine potential free agents this year. So they're all going to be playing for big contracts. Um, so, you know, I think it's so they want to show off. Yeah, they want to 
put a good numbers. Obviously, they're going to put some pressure on themselves, but I think it's going to work out well for them, having that many guys playing for big contracts. And um, so I, 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 I think the Bears uh, will probably be there again uh, this year. So to wrap things up a little bit, I guess what would be just the one thing that you'd really want our listeners to know as we're going into this season in the, in the KBL? What's the most important message to get out there? Yeah, just something I alluded to earlier. Um, there's there's more to KBO than just bat flips and, you know, I guess cheers. And obviously we're not going to have any cheers for now. Uh, it's going to be pretty quiet. But, uh, you know, yeah, yeah guys are going to flip their bats. Uh, it's just part of the their creatures of habits. Uh, they've been doing it since their little league or middle school days. So <laughs> can, you can't just tell them not to do it. Uh, well, but, and you uh, as a Toronto fan, what, uh, you yeah. must have thought that all that fuss over the Batista back, bat flap oh, yeah. was not a big deal. Uh, like, what's going yeah, on Not here? a big deal. Like, Sam Dyson, you know, what's wrong with you? Like, respect the game. I mean, yeah. I don't know. He should he, he should respect the game by throwing a better pitch. That's my opinion. It, it, that's, there you that's, go. Why, that's exactly how we feel about it. That's yeah, exactly. You're trying to make a baseball opinion yeah. about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. pitch better. So that's my point. But, yeah, going back to the KBO. I mean, Toronto baseball is kind of rabbit hole that we're not going to get into, I think, today. But next visit. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, just, again, there's more to KBO than just um, bat flips. Um, I think, generally speaking, this is about anywhere between AA and AAA baseball. Uh, we are maybe a little better than Taiwan, but it's, it's a little below Japan, which people say maybe quadruple A there. So we're about AAA, AA-ish quality of baseball. And some guys have made their ways over there to the majors and have succeeded. You know, if you don't have any live baseball in the U.S., you could do worse than watching KBO. <laughs> you could do worse. That's our takeaway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am so looking forward to it. I am really excited to see more baseball. And I'm pretty – I'm feeling good about the the variety of, of, of the teams and the different kind of vibe from, from watching KBO. Mm-hmm. Well, too bad we're not going to have any fans. Uh, that's, you know, I feel that's an important part of the, the KBA experience, especially from people who are not used to watching this. But, uh, you know, we've got some teams, as I said, we still have cheerleaders. So you'll be able to hear some songs and um, you might be surprised to hear some very, very familiar tunes that have Korean lyrics to them. So. <laughs> Maybe we can treat this as like a language immersion project so we can pick up sure, another language. Yeah, there we yeah. go. <laughs> So for our listeners, if they if they want to know more, if they want to follow you, how can they find you online? Oh, please don't follow me. Don't follow you? <laughs> okay. All right. No, no I <laughs> do have Twitter. It out of the notes. Yeah, I have uh, my ongoing love and hate relationship with my social media and my Twitter. But uh, my, my you can find me at jiho uh, underscore one. That's J. E E H O underscore on the line and number uh, one. So Jiho underscore one. You can find me on Twitter there. Fantastic. Uh, Jiho, we're so happy you took your time out this morning to join us and get us caught up on what's happening with KBO and what we have to look forward to. We really appreciate your time. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me today. Thanks again to Jiho Yu, um, the Korean Baseball Organization reporter for the Yonhap News Agency, for getting us up to speed on what to look for if we get to see Korean baseball. Until then, we're going to be watching more, more Taiwanese baseball every single morning. Absolutely. I'll be up bright and early tomorrow to catch I, it before I hit the road to New York City. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. You're going to do your escape to New York. Yeah, I'm getting my daughter tomorrow. So don't worry, folks. It's not like I'm going to New York City to hang out there. I'm going to get in and out as fast as humanly possible with an 18-year-old in the car on the way back. And all of her worldly college possession. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so while Potty Mouth is doing that, I'm going to be you know, hopefully watching some some Taiwanese baseball, doing my day job, and then maybe scoring some more of the playoffs. I've been going. Oh, hey, I That's impressive. I went back to score the the Cardinals Atlanta series leading in. You know the the um, the NLDS series with them. I love watching Atlanta play when they play in St. Louis because they don't have that freaking chop, and I get to enjoy the players and how much I like this guy and this guy and this guy and not have it clouded by the fan base, which is pretty cool. So I'm going to be doing more of that. 
Um, dear listeners, we hope you're watching some baseball because now you know where to find it. Maybe listening to some past episodes of No Crying in Baseball and telling your friends about it. And then Potty Mouth will tell you how to find us online. Talk to us on tr- Twitter at NCIB Podcast or on Facebook and Instagram at No Crying in B-Ball. If you want to shoot us a line, you can email us at ncibpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to find us on YouTube for the uh, the, the first annual Bump Bailey Wax Packs Hero Tournament of Awesome. And until next time, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth. <laughs>